Welcome to episode 16 of the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast with me, your host and certified life coach, Katrin Bernd. This podcast episode was born through an Instagram story that I posted last week that was fascinating to me. So interesting that I just felt the need to share it with all of you. To fully understand the whole story, let's go back to last weekend when I read the book Attached by Amir Levine. I had a very vague understanding of attachment theory from before, but not enough to really form an opinion about it or in any way apply it to myself or my life. So after reading that book, I learned so many new things. If you're super new or completely unaware of attachment theory, here is my noob version of explaining it. So Adults are categorized into four different attachment styles. We have the secure attachment, which is basically the MVP of all the attachment styles. These people are calm, composed, and they don't really freak out about much in their relationships and when it comes to attachment to another person. Then we have the anxious attachment style, and that person basically freaks out about everything and craves validation and closeness and always wants to keep tabs on their partner to make sure everything is going okay. Then there's the avoidant attachment style that craves independence and freedom more than anything and fears the intimacy and restrictions, quote unquote, um, of a relationship. And then there's a small group of people who are anxious avoidant, meaning a mixture between both distancing and craving of closeness in a relationship. If you are curious about the attachment styles in my relationship, it turns out that my boyfriend is 110% secure, which explains everything about everything. (laughs) And I'm one of the lucky few who get to be anxious avoidant, or more specifically, fearful avoidant, as opposed to dismissive avoidant, which is another flavor of the anxious avoidant style. So I'm a wonderful mix of being distant and avoidant, but also craving that security and validation, but also rejects that intimacy when it appears. So this is how Google describes it. Anxious avoidant attachment brings together the worst of both worlds. Wonderful. (laughs) I think most of you can draw the very correct conclusion that this relationship has lasted for as long as it has because of my boyfriend and not because of me. But I'm working on it. Anyway, back to the story. As I learned about these attachment styles, I started understanding why certain relationships in my life has worked way better than others. The successful ones have always been with people with a very secure attachment style. And those who have not had that have just kind of clashed with me way too much for it to work. Because I'm both avoidant and anxious. So anyway... Uh, I realized, and this is where I get to the point of this story, that all of my relationship and girlfriend role models are perfect examples of secure 
attachment. Whether it's celebrities or family or friends, I look up to those who exhibit very clear, secure behavior. So this naturally made me very curious. I wrote on Instagram and asked my followers who their relationship inspirations and role models were. And I was perhaps not surprised by the replies as much as I was surprised by the statistics. About 80% of all the replies I got said Blake Lively. And the remaining 20% were basically split between Mila Kunis and Chrissy Teigen. And since the vast majority of all the answers said that Blake Lively is the ultimate girlfriend, then I asked a follow-up question about why. What do people think about Blake that makes her such an amazing partner? Here are some of the replies that I got. She's a strong woman, and I feel like that makes her a great partner and wife. She's funny, supportive, and supported by her husband. She seems like she has a good work-life balance, and she's emotionally mature. The trust and humor she shares with her husband. She's funny, relaxed, independent, successful, and fun to be around. She's relaxed, can openly communicate, and is self-confident. They laugh a lot in their relationship and are generally relaxed with each other. She's friendly, cool, confident in herself, allowing her to give space to her man. How amazing are those answers? Okay, you might not share my enthusiasm just yet, but even though you might not be an attachment expert, I mean, I'm definitely not, but doesn't that sound like a pretty secure attachment style, the way people describe Blake Lively? There's not much anxiety or avoidance going on there. She's super chill, trusting, supportive, confident, and independent. Classic secure person, right? So at this point, you might be thinking, but you don't even know her. How can you say these things? Or there's no way for us to know if any of that is true about her. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors? Exactly. That is why this is such an interesting topic to me. Have you ever heard the saying, other people's opinion about you has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. All these people on my Instagram thinking that Blake, Mila, and Chrissy are ideal girlfriends don't actually know them and how they act and behave in their relationships. They've just seen certain things that helped them form an opinion about them in their minds. The reason people think Blake is ideal is not because she objectively is, but because of the thoughts that they have and the things they value in a relationship that they think that Blake exhibits. So ultimately, those answers that I got about why Blake is ideal just tells me what those individuals value in a relationship and what they would love to achieve for themselves. And then they project that onto Blake and her relationship. Now, I don't want you to think that this is a bad thing in any way. Honestly, it's completely neutral. But what if we could use this phenomenon, the Blake Lively effect, as I've called it, <laughs> to our advantage? 
I realized after asking these questions on Instagram that what people ultimately want is not to be Blake Lively or even to be married to Ryan Reynolds. They want to be relaxed, chill, confident, fun to be around, trusting and supportive of their partners. But it can be so challenging to come up with those desires on your own when you're just thinking about yourself, your own life, and your own future. It's much easier to think about another person and appreciate all the things that they have and the life they live without realizing that we're really just projecting our own desires onto them. That's when the Girlfriend Lab was born. I have spent the past week creating a full-blown five-day workshop that is going to deep dive into this concept of having a relationship role model and creating your own ideal girlfriend formula to guide you wherever you're at right now in your life and relationship. The Girlfriend Lab Workshop is free for any and all girlfriends to join, and we're going to kick it off with the first introduction call on Sunday, April 25th. So if you're listening to this episode the week it came out, it's this coming Sunday. And then we're going to spend all of next week together learning and exploring what our unique ideal formulas are and how we can start using them to elevate and improve our relationships. We're going to talk about results we want to create and achieve, why they are important to us, how we want to act towards ourselves and our partners, how we want to feel in the relationship and in different scenarios, and what we want to believe to be true about our past, our present, our future, and just spend a lot of time exploring what our ideal formula is by analyzing our own relationship role model, whether it's Blake Lively or someone completely different. If you want to sign up to the Girlfriend Lab, just go to katrinebarnt.com forward slash GFLab or GFLab, as I've started calling it. And once you've signed up, you'll get access to all the information you need ahead of next week. Now, back to the episode. Some people might think that comparison or having a role model is kind of counterproductive or useless because you might think that you're always coming up short. And that might be true if you use the existence of this quote-unquote ideal person or this role model as evidence that you'll never be able to achieve anything similar. Remember last week's episode about your past being a teacher and not a guide? If you look to the past for what is possible in your future, you're always going to be living a life full of limitations because your past holds no evidence of possibility, only evidence of what you've already done, learned, and achieved. But if we look to other people and their achievements as evidence that something could be possible for us as well, that is useful rather than harmful on our own journey. Just like the toddlers that learn how to walk without any previous evidence that they can because they see other people walking. But if you start using your role model as 
evidence against yourself to kind of point out all the ways you're less than or you're falling behind, then those thoughts are going to make you feel like shit. What happens when you feel like shit? You treat yourself like shit, you act like shit, and the result of that is just more shit. So if you instead viewed your role model as evidence of possibility, and instead of pointing out all the ways you're different and why they can achieve it and you can't, well, then you're going to keep that confirmation bias going and you'll keep collecting evidence of possibility for you in your future. But that requires that you focus more on the things that are similar about you and your role model rather than the things that separate you and make you different. So it's never the role model or comparison itself that is the problem. We can't blame it for any of the thoughts, feelings, or actions that we take. The role model's existence and your appreciation of what they have or what they've achieved, it's completely neutral and powerless until you decide how you want to relate to it and what you want to make that mean about you and your life and your relationship and your future. I'm a strong believer in thinking about things in a way that serves us and having thoughts that are helpful rather than just thinking and believing thoughts that create shit in our lives. And the only way to figure out whether or not the way we think about things is helpful is to ask ourselves how those thoughts make us feel and how we tend to act or what we tend to do in our lives when we feel that way. If our thoughts are crappy, our feelings are going to be crappy, and then we're going to act crappy as a result. So if you're thinking about things in a way that isn't helpful for you in this moment, I recommend asking yourself what you could think that would be more helpful right now. Even when things are really bad and you're struggling a lot, thinking helpful thoughts is always a good idea. Helpful doesn't mean happy or positive. It just means that you're not making it even harder on yourself by thinking things that just aren't useful. Examples of non-helpful thoughts are, I'll never be able to do that. I've never done that before. What if it doesn't work? She's better than me. I don't know how. It's not working. Examples of helpful variations of those thoughts are, I'm willing to try. I've done a lot of things for the first time. What if it does work? She's amazing and I appreciate her. I'm learning how. I can figure this out. Can I just try this one thing? To wrap this up, I want to encourage you to explore your role model inventory a little bit. Can you see any red threads among the people you look up to? Are there any people that you find yourself resenting because you're holding their success and their positive traits against yourself as evidence of your lack? And if you want to explore your relationship role model a bit further and create your own ideal formula and learn how to start using it to your advantage, don't forget to sign up to the Girlfriend Lab workshop at katrinbanch.com forward slash GFLab. That's katrinbanch.com forward slash GFLab. 
I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.